Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Hankook Dynapro AT2 Extreme. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What is up? Football is back. Let's freaking go. I'm John Middlecoff. This is the Three and Out podcast. The NFL season officially back. Teams reporting left and right. Aaron Rodgers officially, well, I guess he never left, but he's back as well. And uh, we're rocking and rolling. A lot going on. Deshaun Watson showed up. Hell, he's back as well. Oklahoma, Texas. Said, I'm out officially. Uh, some other football thoughts, just why I love training camp. We'll dive into it all. Middlecoff mailbag, easiest way to get on the show. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram handle. Slide into those DMs, get on the show. If you listen on Collins' feed, subscribe separately to the 3 and Out podcast if you like it. Uh, yeah, need you to do that as well. If you like the show, also leave a review Apple, iTunes, help us sell the show. And, uh, you know, keep food on my table. Trying to survive in this crazy world that we live in. Let's rock and roll. Aaron Rodgers is a Packer. And he's not going anywhere. And it reminds me of something. Over Corona, I have spent an unhealthy amount of time on YouTube. And I have watched, I, I was born in 1984. So my youth was the 1990s. And I have watched a ton and listened to a ton on different platforms of music from my youth. And I am not a big hold on to the past guy. I I, I pride myself on looking forward. But I do think there's something with Corona. I've read some different articles 
N- nostalgia is, is a big part of society right now. People going back to when times were easier. It just makes me smile. It makes me happy. Listening to music of my childhood, whether it's hip hop, rap, but I have listened to an unhealthy amount of grunge and 90s rock. Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Metallica. And I stumbled on Netflix, and I don't think I would have clicked on this movie if it wasn't just the amount of music I have consumed from my youth. And Metallica did a documentary that's on Netflix from like the early 2000s. I watched it yesterday, and it was like two hours. It was pretty crazy. At the time, they were easily one of the biggest bands in the history of of America. I mean, hell, they still are. But this was 2001. They were trying to create a new album, and it was nuts. You remember uh, Lars? He was fighting with Napster. They just, their bass guitarist just quit. They, they were out a member. Uh, James, the lead singer, went to rehab for almost a year. He just disappeared. They were in shambles. And the documentary didn't even know. You later learned that, like, when they were filmed, they just thought they were going to film them for a couple weeks you know, cutting this new album, Metallica, right? This ultimate cash cow, one of the most popular bands in the world. They just thought they were going to get incredible film just on them recording an album in San Francisco. But instead, it was just fireworks. It was crazy. But as the documentary went on, by the end, they all came together. And the three band members, by the end, they had a fourth. They hired the dude from uh, Ozzy Osbourne's band to be their bass guitarist, who still is to this day. Uh, and they offered them a million dollars back in 2001 and points on everything they did moving forward. It just showed you. I mean, they are such a cash cow band. But James the lean singer, Lars the guitarist, I mean, are the two most famous members. And honestly, without looking it up, I wouldn't even know what the curly-haired guy's uh, name is, but he's a major part of the band, and they had been a band since 1982. It has been very lucrative for those three guys. It has gone very, very well, despite all the drama. And ultimately, they got together... And they got on the same page. And since the early 2000s, they have still been playing shows, printing money. When Chase opened the Warriors' new arena, they were the first concert. They played with the San Francisco Symphony. Actually, watching this documentary and listening to all this music over Corona really makes me regret not going. Because I know a couple people that went, Metallica with the Symphony, and they said it was fucking incredible. But where I think this parallels Aaron Rodgers is things are too good. They are too talented to break. It made no sense to go their separate ways. No matter how big their egos were, no matter how mad they were at each other. And in this documentary, the drummer Lars and the lead singer James, who are by far two of the most famous musicians of the last like 40 years, were screaming at each other nonstop. And at one point, both of them thought they were going to quit the band. This was 20 years ago. Again, they're still going strong to this day. And they figured it out. They swallowed their ego. They swallowed their pride. They figured there was too much on the line. Because when you are a lead at your job in certain industries, you make so much freaking money, it's outrageous. And Aaron Rodgers was scheduled to make, he is scheduled to make $37 million this fall. $37 million. They play 17 games. Do the math. That's over $2 million a game. And that's just, we're just talking money. 
when you talk about actual success, they have won 26 games the last two seasons. They hosted the NFC Championship game last year. They were the favorite in that game. They were upset. Like, that happened. They were literally the betting favorite. People like me, I put money on the Green Bay Packers to win the Super Bowl. Once we got to the championship games, I felt pretty confident. I think it was like two and a half. I think it was three to one. It might've been two and a half to one, but I was like, this is, I'm going to turn, you know, $500 into a thousand pretty easily. And then they shit the bed or whatever, but I felt pretty good. He's got a pretty good thing going. Are they perfect? The Green Bay Packers? Of course not. Is there drama? Of course there is. We're all humans. We have huge egos. There's a lot of money on the line. They've spent a lot of time together. Like Metallica, by the time that documentary is shot, the three core guys had been together for 20 years. Anytime you spend five years, 10 years, 20 years around someone, you're going to have confrontation. You're going to have problems. Your egos naturally grow. And the thing that you see in this Metallica documentary is they kind of just swallow their pride, swallow their ego. And they all got on the same page. Now, is it ideal every single time? Of course not. Now, them coming to an agreement, Rogers coming back, like sometimes you just got to swallow your ego. Sometimes you just got to swallow your pride and go, you know what? I got it pretty freaking good. I play for the Green Bay Packers. I'm 36 years old. The majority of my life, the Packers have been a powerhouse brand. I'm not talking just in football. I'm talking in America. How many brands since the early 90s and Ron Wolf and, and Holmgren and Brett Favre showed up have been bigger than the Packers from like 93 till today? You can probably count on one hand. It ain't very many. And they have success. They have talent around them. Their team is really good. So I listen, maybe we'll find out in the coming days. Maybe we won't truly the details of why Aaron hates or was down on Gudikins. I don't even care. But just, if he didn't beat up your sister, or call out you personally about something, like, just get over it. Because times are pretty good. We see shitty teams all around the NFL. We see them all around sports. That is not the Packers. Like I said, are they perfect? Of course not. Could they have been more aggressive over his tenure at free agency? For sure. But I'd say Gudikins has been pretty aggressive. Went out and got him to Darius Smith, who actually also happens to be mad. But if Aaron Rodgers wanted to retire a Packer, like they're going to compete the next several years. And we'll see. I know everyone's going to talk. He's going to get traded after this year. Why does he have to get traded after this year? They can keep winning. Sometimes you just got to suck it up and realize it doesn't get that much better than this. The grass isn't always greener. Because you know what? The bass guitarist who quit Metallica in 2000, I got no freaking clue where he is. I don't care. He's irrelevant. Like, just stick it out with the Packers. Figure out a way to deal with these guys. Again, if they didn't cross the line, which honestly, it doesn't feel like they did. Sorry, Aaron. Your ego doesn't always have to be stroked 24-7, 365. This felt very much like you're being a pretty big drama queen here. And they capitulated a little. They gave in. But like, I'm sorry. Some of this is on Aaron to figure out. Like, do you want to be an all-time legend? I, I know you are as a talent, but I'm talking about the pelts on the wall. Because right now you got one ring. Your best chance to win more is in Green Bay. 
It always has been. You should have won it last year. You were right there. And you can say all you want. And listen, it was a dumb decision to kick the field goal on fourth down. What about your plays on second and third down? Like, you got to take some responsibility. You got Devontae Adams. They re-signed your running back. You got a good offensive line. Your defense hopefully is better. Your division kind of sucks. Like, it's open for the taking. Figure it out. Okay, when I woke up on Monday morning, there were reports on the internet. Uh, it's this thing that connects us all, all over the world. That Deshaun Watson, that, that the Texans, you know, he showed up over the weekend because basically for contract purposes, he didn't want to get fined, have to return a signing bonus, kind of forcing the Texans, definitely the, the league's hand. Are they going to put him on the commissioner exempt list? And he shows up and rumors start circulating that people are willing to trade for him. I talked about it last week. I will talk about it again. I do think, and I know this for a fact, I've talked to a team who would be very, very interested. And they have done their due diligence. But until these situations with the masseuses, massage therapists, go away, I can't see anyone trading for them. Especially because Chris Mortensen wrote, they are adamant that they're not going to trade him for anything less than like three ones and a two or three ones and multiple high-end players. Well, here's the thing. Typically, a quarterback, as anyone that's bought a house in a booming market knows, it's a seller's market. And as the buyer, you kind of get bent over. You don't get to have any contingencies. You have to usually bid well over the price that they're asking for. It sucks. The seller is in complete advantage. And that's usually the way a quarterback works when he's traded, right? You want Matt Stafford? We want two first-round picks. You want to come up and get Trey Lance? We're going to need multiple ones. That's the way quarterback trades usually play out. Unless there's a major issue. Look at Carson Wentz. He was not, you know, your typical quarterback. Coming off a terrible season. Questions about him in the locker room enormous contract. There weren't a lot of people lined up to get him. So the Colts didn't have to pay that much. Now, Deshaun Watson, if he didn't have this massage therapist thing hanging over his head, he would go for a boatload of picks. Because not only is he good, he was always known as a high character player. But the moment this happened, I'm sorry, there is a massive red flag on him. And it's going to carry with him. Even if all this stuff goes away, one thing can never be disputed. That he put himself in a compromising position. He set this whole situation up. Even if he broke zero laws. And I, like you, don't have any details. I don't know the guy. Sex is not a crime. If he did nothing wrong, he, you know, who knows? I don't know what to, how it's going to play out. But if it all does go away, he still was sleeping with all these massage therapists that created an issue that he's dealing with right now. You know, I'm not assuming, but just let's just say he's innocent. And if he's guilty, then obviously no one's messing with him. But if he is innocent and all these things go away, like he's still got a red flag on him. He is still not some perfect player. Can I trust this guy to make the right decisions? We've talked about this before. So to think that I'm just going to get bent over and have to pay an absolute premium for the guy seems a little crazy. Now, like any market, if there are multiple people bidding on someone's services, on a home, on a car, whatever, the price is going to go up. 
And he's talented enough that you would think multiple teams would be interested. But depending on how this whole situation off the field plays out, like not every team is going to look at it the same. Is there an owner that won't give a shit? I'm sure. Right? Greg Hardy, complete scumbag, Jerry signed. But in this situation, with the way society's kind of operated in recent years, I can see a lot of owners like, yeah, we're not going down that road. We're not messing with that. So typically, a guy of this caliber, you would have three, four teams lined up to trade whatever they were asking for. I just don't know if that's the case. I I, I really don't. So this notion that the Texans are just going to get 150 cents on the dollar for Deshaun Watson, that might have happened right when the season ended, before all this stuff broke. I have a hard time seeing that right now. Now, I don't... If it does go away, believe you're going to get them for like a third round pick. But to think that you're going to get three ones and like a two and a player seems a little outrageous to me. I I, I have a hard time seeing that. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I would struggle as a general manager just going like, what? How can I know for certain? Like, say what you want. Let's say next year Aaron Rodgers is traded. Like, is Aaron Rodgers a drama queen? Of course he is. That is not even debatable at this point. Do I have to worry about Aaron Rodgers ever a situation comes up where the police are involved? Well, he has about 17 years in the NFL that would say, no, you don't. So I don't ever have to worry about his decision-making off the field. Like, I don't worry about him getting in trouble. Can I Can I say with a straight face that I 100% if I acquire Deshaun Watson, I never have to worry about him getting in trouble? You can't. And getting in trouble doesn't mean you actually go to jail or anything. It's just putting yourself in compromising situations. Do you avoid those or do you not? If you ran a business, and I'm sure some people that are listening do, you don't want to deal with any drama, any, especially for your highest paid employees. That's not what anyone wants to deal with. Your highest paid employees, ideally, you don't ever want to have to worry about. They're, They're the easiest ones to deal with, especially quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, again, they might have huge egos and drama. You don't have to worry about Russell Wilson getting in trouble. You think the Chiefs worry about Patrick Mahomes? Of course not. So I, I, I think this is Sean Watson thing is a little more complicated than the internet streets are making it out to be. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think. Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, <laughs> he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Goodyear tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Goodyear test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, by the end of the week, every team in the league will have reported for training camp. And for me personally, it's my favorite three or four week stretch of the season. Now, I love the games, but once you get into the season, your roster's set. There is not that much turnover. Guys get hurt. You bring up guys from practice squads. Occasionally, there's a trade, but for the most part, your roster has been determined by free agency, then the draft, and then you show up to camp and let's roll, baby. Last year was unique. We didn't have any preseason games. And really, over the last decade, with the 2011 CBA, the days of double days have been thrown out the window. I remember my first training camp when I worked in the NFL was the last year of old school football. I'm pretty sure it felt like we had back-to-back weeks of double days. It was like that definitely when I was at Fresno State and I was a graduate assistant. And in double days, 
You have so much film to evaluate. Now, in college football, your roster's set. Like, you're not cutting any guy in the middle of August. But in the NFL, like, when the pads start popping and you start realizing, this guy can't play. Or, damn, we might have something. It's an incredible feeling. The valuation process. And listen, I've been lucky enough when I was in radio to go to multiple spring trainings for playoff team. The A's were a playoff team and the Giants won the World Series. And anyone listening to this knows with a baseball team, like maybe a guy, maybe a guy on a 25-man roster comes out of nowhere and makes a team. But for the most part, you know your roster going into uh, going into the season. And then throughout the season, you bring guys up and down for financial purposes and that can help your team. In basketball, you rarely get a guy come out of nowhere and maybe make the team as like the 13th, 14th man. But you don't end up in like the seven, eight man rotation, right? Like some undrafted free agent is playing for a team in the playoffs. But consistently in football, if you and anyone knows this listening, whatever uh, team that you follow as a fan, every single year you have multiple undrafted free agents make the football team. You have multiple guys. And listen, I, I take this tactic every year since I've left the league. I don't even pay attention to 5th, 6th, and 7th round picks when they're drafted. Now, once camp starts and they start making plays, same with undrafted free agents, I'll pay attention. Because the thing once you go to training camp, right, your first round pick is on scholarship. Same with your second round pick. Unless your third round pick is an all-time disaster, he's going to make the team. But your 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th round pick and undrafted free agents are fighting for their NFL lives, are trying to make the squad. And if they are good enough, like in society, if I can take an older veteran player who makes six, seven, eight, nine, four, whatever, millions of dollars, and take that undrafted free agent who makes the league minimum, and they are the same. And I see in preseason games or in practice, like, God, this guy, if anything, he's just as good. He might be better. Also, when you project, you you replace. That guy takes out people's jobs. It is the ultimate meritocracy beside the first and second round picks. But part of that is because of how much money you've invested. You've guaranteed them cash. But the other guys, they don't have any guaranteed cash, but they do have the opportunity to make the team. And you learn so much about your team once the pads come on. And unlike last year, because the games got wiped out for the young guys in the preseason games, because you can have a great offseason. You can kick ass in OTA shorts and t-shirt. And all summer long, you're texting with your, your scouting buddies on the team and your coaches like, I can't wait to watch so-and-so play. And then the pads come on and that dude might still make plays in practice. But in football, unlike the other sports, like when you play an opponent, you have no clue what their plays are. Absolutely none. When you play your own team for several weeks and an entire offseason, you know the playbook. You know that individual player's tendency that you're going up against every day in practice. So you know the plays. And you know the guy's strengths and weaknesses. And then you get to the game, it's a different story. And we all know, some people are, you know, just perform when the lights come on. And some people don't. And as an evaluator, it's a great time to just see who can play and who can't. Now, you have an idea, you know, on a team that has had guys that have played in the league for a while, but you never know with young players. You you have no clue with your draft picks, and you never know how young players, your practice squad guys from the previous year that were late-round picks, how they've developed. Have they gotten stronger? Have they gotten more confident? Uh, Have they got a better understanding of the offense? Have they just, do they play more free? 
Do they, are they not as tight? Whatever. I mean, we're all human beings. We all just, some of us mature and improve at different rates in anything in life, right? It's no different in football. And the famous saying that I'm sure you've heard over and over, and it's said in every single NFL building, every coach will tell their players, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Nobody stays the same. Absolutely nobody stays the same. We'll talk about the college football expansion. Part of the reason all these super conferences are coming because there's money to be made. Status quo, like if you stay status quo in life, you get lapped. It's no different as a player. But in training camp, you really get evaluated on how you play when the pads come on. Because unlike basketball, we can run a full five on five, you know, all off season. In baseball, I can have a simulated at bat against Jacob DeGrom. In football, until we put on helmets, shoulder pads, and say, this is full go, it's a different sport. It it really is. So even when training camp and the pads come on for your team, I often hear like, what do you think of Jordan Love? What do you think of Trey Lance? What do you think of Zach Wilson? Well, until they get into a game situation where the defensive line can hit the quarterback, we will not know. Because in training camp, do you know what the pass rushers have to do? They have to stop. <laughs> that, that quarterback has on a different color jersey, and when the guys turn in the corner, if the offensive lineman <clears throat> misses his block or he gets beat, they can't touch the guy. And the number one thing you evaluate as a quarterback, right, obviously the physical tools, but how do you act when you get hit, when you get crushed? As Greg Cosell says, can the guy look down the gun barrel? Do you know what that means? When a defensive tackle, 320 pounds, is three steps away from you, unembated, coming right at your sternum, do you deliver that ball in the deep in cut or the deep out cut? And do you deliver a strike knowing you're going to get crushed? Most people listening, including myself, would want no part of getting hit by Fletcher Cox, Aaron Donald, DeForest Buckter. I can imagine that hurts like a mother. Those guys are enormous. But that's what you got to do in the pros. That's why you get paid all that money. That's why you get all the guaranteed cash. It's why we act like quarterbacks are so important. But we don't learn that until the bullets start flying. Just like we don't learn, like some running backs look sweet in shorts and t-shirt. They're fast. They look good in the open field. Well, what's it like when, uh, you know, Jamal Adams fills in the hole and hits his helmet right, you know, where you're, uh, you know, where you breathe, hits you right in the stomach, takes out your legs. You just, we don't know. And it's the best part about training camp is just you, you learn so much about guys that you want to like or hell, maybe you're like, I'm not, I'm kind of down on this guy. And then he starts making plays. If you make plays and you prove you can execute in games, you you have an NFL career. It, it is just that simple. And if you're an older player and there's a young guy at your position who is at worst your equal, you're in trouble. And people start knowing it early on in camp, right? Once, you know, several days of practice, like we got something here. And when they start thinking we got something here, people's jobs are, you know, you know, up for debate in these in these meeting rooms that we used to get in hard knocks, you know, the first 10 years of hard knocks, we don't get anymore. It's all state run media now, right? Like whatever the eight, maybe Jerry will be a little bit better, but for the most part, you don't get the, the coaches talking shit, get the GMs talking shit, even though that really happens. That's reality in these buildings. And it definitely happens over the next month when you're, when you're kind of all leading into your 53 man roster and your practice squad, it's really my favorite part about training camp is just truly, because we say this word all the time, but it's true competition. 
People fighting for their jobs. And if you do not do well enough, you will lose your job. It doesn't really happen in the other team sports. Okay, college football is getting really kind of crazy. And uh, Tuesday is Pac-12 Media Day. And I saw Coward tweeted out that USC, the Big Ten's already sniffing around. And I think it's pretty clear that there is a push and the SEC set the tone once again. Now, I don't know if Texas and Oklahoma reached out to them, if the SEC reached out to them. Regardless of how it happened, they're all on board. And the ball's rolling, and this thing, it sure as hell feels like it's happening. And it's going to change the college football landscape. And I saw Jay Billis say something on my Twitter timeline that the ACC would be crazy not to try to merge with the SEC. And this was inevitable. For a long period of time, there has been subtle growth, right? Started at the Pac-8, then it went to the Pac-10, then it went to the Pac-12. Big 8, Big 10, Big 12, right? The SEC has added teams over the years, right? A&M was not originally an SEC team. You're either growing or you're dying, right? It's like in football. You're either improving or you're getting worse. Nobody stays the same. That's the way people in business think. Even when you make a lot of money. I've never made $100 million. But if I ran a business that was making $100 million, it would be awesome the first year. Be cool the second year. By the third year, you'd start asking yourself, why are we not growing? There's a reason Apple and Facebook and Google, they buy other companies. You ever heard of Instagram? Facebook bought them. Changed their business. You ever heard of YouTube? Google bought them. Been pretty lucrative. Beats by Dre, Apple iTunes, all over that bad boy. You have to keep growing. And the only way for these conferences to grow is to add teams. Because you hit a finite number. Once you get 12, 14 teams, the amount of games you can play are the amount of games you can play. Well, if you add two more teams, especially big brands, four more teams, merge with a conference. Imagine if the ACC and the SEC merged. Now that you have Texas and Oklahoma, you'd have Miami, you'd have Florida State, you'd have Clemson, you'd have Duke, you'd have North Carolina. Like you'd have an insane amount of potential inter-coastal rivalries. And when Colin talking about the Big Ten is already sniffing around at USC, if I'm the Big Ten, why wouldn't and I why wouldn't I try to get, I don't know, USC, Cal or Stanford, Washington, and Oregon? Why wouldn't I try to develop these super conferences? It just means more money more regions, more market share. That is where we're headed. It's clear. This is only going to continue. And not everyone is going to get an invite. Like Clemson, Florida State, however this, they're going to be okay. Ohio State, Michigan, they're going to be fine. USC, Oregon, Washington, whenever the dust settles, it's going to be okay. What about some of the random teams? Like is Utah just going to be cool? Right? UCLA. Like, are we sure they're going to be okay? I don't know. Cal or Stanford, one of those teams, if they get left at the altar, you never know. So the SEC changed the game again. Of course they did. They're by far the most aggressive conference in the country. We saw it during Corona and literally everyone else followed. When I think about Corona and I think about aggression, I think two things. I think Dana White, he set the tone, and I think about the SEC in football. They were even more aggressive than the National Football League. They did not mess around. 
They played all their games and they printed cash. They made more money than every other conference. Pac-12, they had some teams that played like three games. It, I mean, it was an embarrassment. It really was. Honestly, as a Pac-12 guy, it's hard for me to take the conference seriously after last year. It, it really is. But they're going to have to figure something out. And they have a new commissioner. I think the Big Ten is realizing like just a couple years ago, we went, you know what? The Big Ten, the top of the Big Ten, the top of the SEC, they're kind of equals. Now, boom, you had Texas and Oklahoma. They are no longer equals. They're actually not even really comparable anymore. Because we already knew the SEC had Bama, LSU, Georgia, and Florida. Now you add Texas and Oklahoma. And like we talked about last week, just because Texas doesn't win a lot of games doesn't mean that they aren't printing cash. Now, the Big Ten has that. Ohio State is as big of a brand as there is in college football. Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, these are really, really big deals. If I'm them, I'm circling the best schools out west because they're kind of aligned. They're both, the two conferences view themselves as kind of the, the kings of academia. They love academia. It's a really big deal to them. Let's face it, like, and pe- people in the South get really mad at me. I'm not saying your schools are bad, but you guys prioritize sports much more than we do out here. Like, if you go on U- UCLA's campus, like, I- I'm sorry, they care more about academics than sports. I don't. I'm not saying I do. Now, I understand that Georgia is a good school. Alabama is a good school. Football comes first. That is not the way it works out here. That's hell. It's not the way it worked in the Big Ten. If it wasn't for Justin Fields, Jim Harbaugh, uh, Ryan Day, they might not even have had football last fall. And they were cool with it because the academic elites were the ones pulling the trigger. They were the ones setting the tone. In the ACC and definitely the SEC, the football coaches got to make the calls. Or at least they got to influence the president. Like, I'm sorry, the presidents at the universities and the Big Ten and the, Big, and the Pac-12 didn't care what the football coaches said. Because I'll promise you, having known some of the football coaches in the Pac-12 and just watching Ryan Day and Harbaugh last year, they would have gladly played a full season. But it wasn't an option because academia sets the tone. So when you look at it, you go the Big Ten and the Pac-12, like, shouldn't they merge? They they have a lot of fundamental core beliefs. Now, the Big Ten is way better than the Pac-12 right now. But couldn't they, you know, the rising tide lift all boats? Couldn't the Big Ten kind of help the Pac-12 out? And now, again, I'm saying piggybacking, picking just the major brands. Obviously, USC, Oregon, Washington. I would just pick, you know, either Cal or Stanford, just given that the Bay Area is massive. Hell, you could go Arizona and Colorado. Boom, you got a conference. And this is what happens to the Oregon states, the Washington states. This is all, you know, an educated guess by me, but you can already see where some of these programs are going to get left at the altar. And we, we've been talking for the last several years about Power 5 versus not Power 5. Power 5 is not going to exist. There might be like a Power 2. The Big 12, they're fucked. It's over. You can't lose Texas and Oklahoma. You know, it's, it's like taking Tom Brady away from the Patriots. Like, bye-bye playoffs. It would have been if Aaron Rodgers didn't show up for the Packers. Like, you're screwed. That's what Oklahoma and Texas mean to that conference, but specifically on the field, Oklahoma. It's a game changer. And at least like even the diehard Big 12s of other, you know, fans of other programs realize they're screwed. Now, Iowa State's a program that, boom, can jump to the Big 10. They make a lot of sense. But, and then you get a geographical rivalry right there with Iowa and Iowa State, a little bit like I'm talking about with uh, the ACC and the SEC. But this is all inevitable. 
that these schools at, at a at a slower rate have been or these conferences have been adding schools over you know the decades it's now just accelerating cuz there is infinitely more money given the value of live sports it's never been more value and really the value of football cuz the biggest sport in America by a mile is the NFL you know what the second biggest sport is it's not baseball it's not basketball it's not a, it's college football <laughs> The college football games do the second highest ratings of any sporting event beside the NFL. So it makes sense that with the money is only going to keep growing that these programs are going to try to merge with these other programs in the top conferences to make more money. Like, I, I'm sorry, like Oklahoma, like I, I'm indifferent. If the Big 12 would have stayed, it doesn't matter to me. Though, I think it's pretty cool adding Oklahoma and Texas. Because I think it's going to make Oklahoma even a better program. And I've gotten, just had some conversations with college football coaches, think Oklahoma might struggle a little bit. I push back. I think they would transition pretty easily. Because offensively, they can hang with anyone. Their problem is defensively. Well, what immediately changes when you get to the SEC? You recruit a different defensive player. And they will immediately do that. Now, Texas has struggled on the field. It's a tough transition. Just like, I'm not saying if you put USC in the Big Ten, they get their ass kicked. Ohio State would pummel USC. Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, like SC would be in trouble. Now, once they got a new coach, maybe they'd figure it out. I think Oregon and Washington would actually have a much better chance, at least, and we see it this year. And look at this. Oregon plays Ohio State. Washington plays Michigan. Honestly, it feels like their programs are already kind of aligned. It makes too much sense. It just feels like, get ready, because this stuff is going to just really accelerate and happen fast. Don't be shocked when we got like two major conferences in two years. It's basically like the NFL, the, the NFC and the AFC. That's what it feels like what's coming in college football. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot or download the app today. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Goodyear tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Goodyear test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, Middlecoff mailbag. Let's uh, fire in the DMs. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Pretty easy. You fire in. You can ask me absolutely anything. Weimer Real Estate Investments. Hey, John, have a mailbag question for you. It feels like what we are seeing with Rodgers and Devontae with the last dance post after contract negotiations stopped with Devontae is that they're either hitching their wagon to each other. Number one, I don't understand how this works out well for Devontae. What team is going to have cap space for both? Should his agent be fired for concerning himself like that? I just don't see how this helps him. Number two, what we are seeing with Rodgers is unprecedented. I can't think of another player in history that doesn't care about winning or money. Well, this part, you asked this question before we fed the resolution here. I think going back to Devontae, he was not going to sign a contract when he's going to be making less than DeAndre Hopkins. And remember, when Hopkins was traded to the Cardinals, they didn't give him market value. They gave him his weird contracts. They basically gave him a short-term deal, $25 million a year for like two years. So he makes over $25 million a year. He got a stupid amount guaranteed, so Devontae wanted that much money. Now, I think it's a tough spot for Devontae. Do you want to just let it play out? Devontae Adams is never going to hit free agency. So while Schefter reported today that like Rodgers, they've come to an agreement that they took away 2023 and next year, whether he wants to get traded or stay, they'll figure it out then. Devontae is going to be a free agent after this season. 
But do you know what they will do if they can't get Devontae, you know, extended? They will franchise tag him. And the going rate is set for a guy of Devontae Adams' caliber. We saw Jamal Adams, we saw Jalen Ramsey, and we saw Khalil Mack traded. They all got traded for two first-round picks. Now, Devontae's a little older than those guys and is on his third contract, but he's only 28 years old, and he is an elite, dominant, high-character guy. Zero issues. Who's been relatively durable throughout his career. So I would say, at minimum... The going rate for Devontae on the open market because he's never going to hit free agency and just walk for free. That is never going to happen unless he has a catastrophic injury or something. And to me, that goes back to if you're Devontae and they're offering you $70, $80 million guaranteed, you probably need to take it. But if he wants to play this year out, they are going to franchise tag him if he won't sign a deal. And then even if they are open to trading him, I think the bidding starts at a first-round pick and multiple twos. That, that would, to me, would be the minimum. So really, if you look at it, if they're going to blow it up after next season, you get rid of Rodgers and you get rid of Devontae, Rodgers would fetch you probably three ones, is, assuming he has another great season, even at 38 years old, and Devontae, a one and two twos. Like, you, you could get a boatload of picks. <laughs> Packers in a weird spot, but I, I think the NFL stands for not for long. I, I w- I'm not even worried about next year if I'm them. I, I'm just all my chips are in the middle of the table and we're trying to win the Super Bowl this year, which clearly they are. Love the pod. What's your take on the Giants upcoming season? The impact of a healthy Saquon Barkley. And also off topic, which cryptocurrencies do you place your money in? Well, with crypto, I'm only in one and I'm an ADA Cordano. And I own, you know, I think about 12,000 coins. And it just got down to a dollar like last week when everything was dipping. I didn't have a lot of capital or I would have bought more. But now it's back up to like a buck 40, I think, as I'm recording this. I love ADA Cardano. I'm a believer in that. And uh, I think it'll be $10 within the next couple of years. But I'm not, I don't play the short-term game with cryptocurrency. And I don't pretend to be like some crypto genius. I'm playing the long game. I just keep throwing some cash, cash, and just keep dumping money in there and just going to let it see where the cream goes. Uh, my take on the Giants' upcoming season with Saquon Barkley, I mean, when he's healthy, Saquon's an elite player. His pass protection sucks, but he's an elite runner. If you remember two years ago when he got hurt, I guess it was early last season, their offensive line stunk, so there were no holes. But adding the two wide receivers, like offensively, like Daniel Jones has no excuses. They have a really good defense. Really good to be strong. They have a solid defense. And they have weapons. And Saquon is, you know, he's a big-time talent. Love Saquon. Needs to pass protect better. But, uh, you know, I, he should. I mean, he's a 1,000-yard level guy. All the way from Sydney, Australia. You were keeping me sane during lockdowns here. Isn't it pretty crazy that July 26, 2021 in Sydney, Australia and Australia in general is locked down? I would probably uh, lose my mind. I have family in Arizona, so definitely would love to get a beer one day when I can make it out there. Anyway, I was wondering, who is the best player you personally scouted in your career of being a scout that you look back on, that you push for, the Eagles to draft? Uh, Honestly, the thing I was most proud of still to this day is my second year I was doing pro scouting, and they also allow you to do, you don't allow you, that you have to do Canada and at the time, there was this USFL, I think it was called. 
And Sacramento had this team like the Sacramento Mountain Lions, and they had this guy named Andrew Sandejo. And because in the draft, there are no diamonds in the rough, and they weren't really listening to what I was saying. Like, obviously, like I would give my evaluations, but it wasn't, they weren't going to, like, if they were going to pick the players because they liked the guy. But I went to Lewis Riddick. I'm like, this Andrew Sandejo guy could play. We didn't even have him in our system. Ten years later, the dude had like a decade career. But, you know, Lewis didn't listen to me. I still to this day give him shit. Um, and if I ever meet Andrew Sandejo, I'd say I was all over you when you were in the minor league football. Because he could play. He was just a hard hitter. He stood out. And then he went on to play for, you know, several teams. Mike Zimmer liked him. No big deal. Question for you in the conference realignment in college football. Do you think it's possible one of the major conferences dissolves and we have a formation of four power conferences? Uh, it could make the playoff seating simpler. Love the pod. Keep the great work. As I mentioned earlier, I, I think what's inevitable is an AFC and NFC for college football. I think the Big 12 Gonzo. I think the Pac-12 Big Ten merge. I think the Big 12, the extra schools join the SEC and ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And you just get two massive you know, sides. And then you kind of, that's how, what ends up happening. I think that's where we're headed. Now that might not happen for five years, 10 years, but that's where we're going. Because it's going to keep dissolving. Now I don't know what happens to the non-Power Fives. I would do everything possible. If I'm a Boise State, if I'm a Cincinnati, if I'm a UCF, uh, San Diego States, the Fresno States, like I, I don't know what happens to them. Because if they are not able to get in the big club, into the country club, of the of the power two conferences, you know they're going to get screwed. As a Pats fan, my question is regarding Mac Jones, Kyle Shanahan, Bill Belichick, and Josh McDaniels all like Mac Jones enough to either consider drafting him with the first pick or drafted him. Do you think it's possible that this year, that a year from now, Mac Jones is viewed as a Justin Herbert of this class? Trey Lance is like Tua of last year's class. Would Kyle Shanahan and company be in trouble? Thanks again. It's a good question. Why I think that is impossible is because the big reason Justin Herbert had a lot of success is physically he's a freak. So he could run around, make plays, and he hit on, I think he had the most yards of passing touchdowns because a lot of his touchdowns were like 40-yard bombs. Tua, his problem is physically he looks tiny and he can't really move. Mac Jones, he's like 6'2", he can't run, and he doesn't have a big arm. Being at Niner practice, Trey Lance is big and physical. I have a hard time seeing Mac Jones throw a bunch of bombs for touchdowns. Now, could Mac Jones have some success? For sure. Could Trey Lance struggle as a rookie? 100%. But physically, those players don't compare. Mac Jones has nothing in common with Justin Herbert. Absolutely nothing. Trey Lance has nothing in common with Tua. He's got him by multiple inches. He's faster. He's got a way bigger arm. So to me, part of the deal is their physical attributes. Mac Jones doesn't have many. To me, Mac Jones, if he's going to have a comp, it's going to be like a Kirk Cousins type. Justin Herbert's more like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. I'm a Canadian Colts fan. And I think Chris Ballard is fantastic. He's so methodical in his team building and doesn't get caught up in the hype. Why do you think so many front offices struggle to be like him? I think one thing Chris Ballard does that's easier said than done is not try to hit home runs. He just takes really solid football players. Look at the DeForest Buckner trade. I don't think there's a soul in the league 
beside Chris Ballard. Maybe Belichick, if his team was close, might have done it, probably not. Would have traded the 13th overall pick for DeForest Buckner. I've watched every snap DeForest Buckner play with the Niners. I've interviewed him a couple times. I've been around him. He is a plus character, incredible human being, a massive individual, and a fantastic football player. I would not have made that trade if I was a GM. No chance. Because I don't see like I don't see like some all-time great Hall of Famer for the 13th overall pick. But I'm looking at it wrong. Chris Ballard did. And he was, you know, a I don't even I think he got shunned on the Pro Bowl, but he was an elite player for them. He's just trying to get guys that he knows worst case scenario are going to be really good. He did it with Michael Pittman, he did it with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he just consistently does it. He did it with Quentin Nelson when he drafted a guard in the top 10. I never would have done that. I fundamentally don't believe in taking guards that high. Quentin Nelson's going to go to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so I, I, I think a lot of guys in personnel always try to hit home runs because that's you know the nature of sports. You want to get the best possible players. And we get, when I say we, I think fans, I think general managers, I think scouts, can get consumed by upside, right? What could be? We do that in gambling. That's why I gamble on guys to win PGA golf tournaments. I'll give you $100, guy 50 to one. That pays 5,000. It's like, I could win $5,000. I've hit on like two winners in my life gambling on golf. I should just play like, you know, someone to get in the top 10. It's much easier to hit. But you know what? That doesn't pay as well. That might pay three to one. Would you rather 50 to one or three to one? Well, I think a smart guy would tell you the likelihood of hitting a 50 to 1 are slim to none. The likelihood of hitting 3 to 1, if you've done your research, pretty good. The likelihood of just getting a bunch of solid starters isn't that hard. Most people aren't drafting like that. I think the Ravens historically have done that pretty well. So I I think he just doesn't overthink it. And he doesn't get consumed by ceilings and upside, which, trust me, I'm as guilty as anyone with that. So when you ask me who would I take in the NBA draft, I'd take Jalen Green, number one overall. I think he has the highest highest ceiling. So if you follow basketball and college basketball and he was a G League player, that would be the guy I would take if I was a GM number one overall. Do you know who might be the best player in like a decade? It could be Jalen Suggs, the dude from Gonzaga. Guy's going to go fourth or fifth. That's probably who Chris Ballard would take. Jalen Suggs. <laughs> you know, he wouldn't overthink the room. Love the show. You often talk about how in football, it's all about intangibles, work ethic, character. Who is the football equivalent of Shaq? Face of the league talent, but questionable work ethic. Still great, but there is a what if question. Roethlisberger. You just answered this question. Yeah, I talked about Roethlisberger last week. It's Roethlisberger. I mean, Roethlisberger, I got in this argument with this guy in my DMs who thinks like, you're being too harsh on Roethlisberger. Listen, Big Ben's one of my favorite players ever. But this guy was like, he's not fat. Like he is his, you know, the knock on Roethlisberger is kind of chubby. He's out of shape sometimes. It never has mattered. He was the biggest guy on the field. He had a huge arm. But now that he's 39, 40 years old, it does matter. That's why the Rooney said, get in shape or we're going to cut you. Take a pay cut or we're going to cut you. Roethlisberger had never been told that. Because who the hell would cut Roethlisberger? Nobody. But it finally, and it's we'll see. Like, there's a chance this year he's just completely over the hill. Maybe he's good. I don't know. But, like, for Shaq, it did not end pretty. His body broke down. What happened with Ben? His body started breaking down. Hell, it happened last year. 
Question for the pod, maybe. I have completely lost my golf swing. Back in April, I broke 80 for the first time ever. Since that day, I can't hit the ball. Not talking slices or hooks. The ball doesn't go in the air. I just hit grounders. Looking at videos of the swing, I seem to be going over the top. Any tips? Think about your right elbow if you're right-handed touching your body on the downswing. You want to drop the club in the slot. I like to feel my elbow against my body on my downswing. Now, I play a cut, but when I get over the top, it gets really ugly. I try to make and feel my elbow and really the inside of like my tricep. I don't really have a tricep muscle, but that area on my arm against my body. And I fucking swing hard. Swing hard, drive through the ball. That's golf tips from John Middlecoff. Adios. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st. 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams and I'm jacked. Alright, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts